0: Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too
1: low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never
0: beat me in any kind of sports in 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 high school.
1: Well, that's awkward now. Uh, welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Huda. Zim said, what's up? Hello world, how y'all
0: doing? Um I lost a little bit of my voice after this loss this past week. Was not a good loss. Um that's how I'm doing. How are
1: you doing? Oh <laughs> uh, man, it is what it is, bro. Another another week, another L unfortunately. Um, uh, but yeah, let's uh let's get into some of this stuff. First, then what were your thoughts just from from that game?
0: I had a lot of thoughts. I thought like for me, there's probably way more positives than negatives, but a lot of times as fans, like we're just looking for answers, you know. Um, but for the most part, like there were a lot of good positives. Like without a doubt, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about Joe Burrow, but he's a winner. He's a gamer. He's the guy that's going to take us wherever we want to go. I've never seen a team that just took a, a, I mean, what one guy just took him on his back the entire, I mean, I can't even imagine what this team would look like without Joe Burrow. Like, sometimes I find myself looking at plays and just saying, like, if Joe Burrow wasn't there, like, he that play wouldn't even be extended. But, I mean, he's playing like he's an animal, like 400 yards. Uh, he's breaking record after record. The guy's like a cyborg with a golden arm. And he's amazing. That's my overall thought. I thought one of the biggest things that I did want to highlight, because I know a lot of people probably aren't thinking this right now because – You want to know why didn't we win. But I do want to highlight this. For a lot of people that are going to be saying fire Zach Taylor, I might even be in that group. It really doesn't even matter to me at this point. But the offensive line going down with injuries today. Prior to the injuries, they blocked very well. Miles Garrett is going to get a sack. He's got a sack consecutively every week for the last six weeks, which is number one in the NFL right now. And they allow him to get two sacks, and that's going to happen. But throughout most of the day, I was checking on that matchup. Bobby Hart held his own. It's unfortunate Bobby Hart got hurt later on in this game. But what I was going to say is that I thought it was a big testament to the people that say fire Jim Turner that they were able to plug and play Fred Johnson at the left tackle spot, and they were able to plug in Billy Price at the center spot. And now Billy Price did get a a penalty later in the drive that I – I hate it, but Joe Burrow uh, atoned for that. He came back and did the scramble and got the first down. But overall, it wasn't a glaring thing. And when you see that he gets time, like anybody that's just watching the team, like if you see that when he gets time, he's going to ball out. He threw for four hundred plus yards, had a big game. Those are the, that's the biggest thing that I just wanted to highlight is that the pass protection was there on both on both teams. One team had an elite pass rusher, and that little bit probably made the the difference overall in the game. Because if you look at the strip sack, they get points off; they get three points off of that. But ultimately, that that those are the type of things that this team needs. It's like a Ferrari on defense because you got one at quarterback on offense, uh, and and that that was a big deal. Like is, is anything that standard? There's a lot of points in the game. We're gonna get into some of the important points. I think next. But anything, like, immediately step out, like, to you when you
1: uh, – I mean, for me, I feel like we all knew that we were going to get a great quarterback and Joe Burrow. It was good to see him bounce back, definitely, for sure, in this game. I think the most frustrating part, like everybody else probably thinks, is just the way that the defense played. I mean, I think we knew and we kind of talked about it. I think you you talked about certain things that happened at the end of the game in terms of the last drive and, and stuff like that. I think we pretty much knew and I think I said it while I was while it was happening that they weren't going to stop the Browns. Like there was no way in my mind that I thought that we were going to stop the Browns at all. And like unfortunately, I thought that it was just going to be a field goal kind of thing, but the fact that Baker Mayfield uh had the day that he had, which was crazy cuz it started off so bad, I had zero faith that they were going to call the right defense cuz we've been in that situation multiple times this season when we talk about the Eagles game, when we talk about uh, some other games that went into overtime and stuff like that. It's just some some confusing play calls and stuff like that. So I think that that was the biggest situation is the fact that the other team, and I was monitoring this, Zach did an amazing job with his play calls. There was only one play call that I kind of questioned, and it was kind of that throw that he scheduled early in the game for Burrow. I kind of thought that they probably should have ran it. But outside of that, he called a good game. I looked at the timeouts. He managed them properly. And it was crazy because the Cleveland guy didn't manage their timeouts. They had, you know, no timeouts at the end, a minute and six seconds left. And they just went straight down the field like it was just nothing. And it was just crazy to see that kind of happened. But I kind of knew that it was going to happen. And so I think that is frustrating because these games seem like they're winnable. And the other thing that you have to think of is the Bengals, two games in a row, I feel like, got the biggest breaks of what needed to happen against those opponents. In the Colts game, they were able to jump up on Phillip Rivers, make Phillip Rivers have to beat them through the air, which he ended up doing. Um, And then in this game, Odell Beckham Jr. goes out like immediately. He doesn't even get a chance to put his brand on this team to exploit one of our biggest issues. And then Baker Mayfield, I said that we had to get him to turn the ball over and convert on those. And that immediately happened. Like, I didn't expect OBJ to get hurt, but it's like him going out of that game from a defensive play calling standpoint as a coach, that should make it a lot easier for you. And it just was like obvious things that were happening. Uh, When you talk about Kareem Hunt in the red zone, I said before the game happened, I said they target Kareem Hunt in the red zone in the passing game. He has three touchdowns in the red zone that he's caught to get in, along with uh, obviously the runs for them to not even call a defense that focused on Kareem Hunt at that time was just kind of baffling to me. And, you know, there were some good things. I'm not going to say everything was bad with Lou. I think in the second half, they really adjusted to the run. They really shut down Kareem Hunt and focused in on him but it just it just has you kind of questioning what's going on on the positives I don't want to just talk negative like you said the offensive line being in what it was to lose the right tackle left tackle center the most important positions on the line man I was a it was amazing how they played like if Fred you would have told me that about, exactly if you would have told me it literally was a line made up of guys that everyone has talked about badly this year it was Fred Johnson Michael Jordan Billy Price, Alex Redman and I'm missing somebody. I don't know who the Bobby other Hart. right tackle. Bobby Hart. Uh, I don't know who they put after oh, Bobby Hart it, went it out. Well, no, they talked good about it, didn't you? But yeah, Bobby Hart, you were right. Um, and if you would have told anyone that, they probably would have assumed that Joe Burrow would be running from his life, running from his, for his life, excuse me, behind that line. They all played well, they all held it down. Zach called a hell of a game plan. The receivers all play. It just really just has you sitting there, like, what does this team have to do to win? It's just, it's just frustrating. I'm gonna tell you what they have to do. But just a, a quick, quick stat for you guys: prior to today,
0: teams that scored at least 33 points and had zero punts, no punts today, were 55 and 0 in the Super Bowl era. That makes it now 55 and one with the Bengals losing today. And just speaking on the offensive line, Joe Burrow had this to say uh, when asked about the backup linemen. He said they battled their asses off, like definitively took a good look at the camera when he said it too. About Zach Taylor, he said, we got a great guy at the helm and Zach who called a great game today. Football is about letters, not numbers. And we took an L today. There are a couple different points that you just said that I wanted to speak on. One was the, I'm a, this is real quick. I just was thought about this. They didn't have any timeouts, right? But you know the play that got them down to forty seconds, and then it had to uh, they had to
1: review it. You like when, I the, so. when I'm talking about yeah, you talking out. about when Higgins caught so they, the ball so and then went it. out. That went was out essentially like a timeout
0: for them. Like what? Like the amount of time that that took. Baker went, goes over, talk, talks to the guys that everybody gets on one accord, and I think that gave them. It essentially gave them a timeout. That was the weird part about the review for that. That I hated. That there's so many little, small, intricate parts of this game. But I mean, I'm gonna tell you the number one thing that I think. You know, I'm just kind of skipping ahead a little bit, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are searching for answers. I think from the offensive side of the ball, I think we see that. We don't have the answers at offensive line because one game, two games of good protection just aren't enough for me. But overall, if they can go address the offensive line, like in free agency the same way they did DJ Reader and the boys this past offseason, I think we'll be fine on offense. And I think you see what this offense entails. And I think, like, seeing A.J. Green being five catches for 70-something yards, it might be like, you know, that needs to probably be his targets moving forward. But ultimately, just seeing the emergence of Higgins and seeing his offense score 30 points like consecutively consecutive weeks lets me know like they're the offensive coordinator. Is he called? He called to me. you, You know how you said he called fire in Jacksonville? I just thought Jacksonville sucked today. I feel like he called fire. Like, every every time that I would be on a live and I'd be like, this is a run. This is a play. It's like, we, I felt like I was on the same accord with him. I didn't second guess anything. Even the interception, I thought I loved the play design. Uh, Tyler Boyd, the guy just made an excellent play. But I'm going to tell you, on defense, it's not so much it's the coordinator for me. There are some questionable coverages, especially when you talk about the end of this football game. But ultimately... The Phillip Rivers game in this game just scream pass rush without a like they they cannot manufacture any bit of pressure. I think the defensive line is now the worst group on the team beyond like it's under offensive line to me. Like a healthy offensive line for this team, like coming getting Xavier Sulafield back, getting Bobby Hart back, and everybody like that. It's a, it's an average or maybe below average. The defensive line may be the worst pressure wise in all of in all of football i watched all these games right after us for teams that don't have a pass rush whatsoever those teams manufacture one sack two sack you get pressures there was no pressure on baker mayfield the reason why baker mayfield killed this in the first game in this game in the way philip rivers did his thing last week there is no pass rush and you see different coverages people say well why don't they blitz them they did try to blitz, and they blitzed on Mackenzie Alexander on the first play of, of the overtime, and he had him. Had he had he got him on that play, the game is really over. It's 30-something seconds left, and, and they're on, like, the 20-yard line. Like, they're 20. The game is over right then. But the continuous thing that I see every week, it, there is no pressure. And the only guy that can manufacture uh, pressure is Carl Lawson, so teams just double up on him. Carl Lawson – uh, Cracked the hell out of Landry. He did knock down Baker a couple times. But I'm going to tell you the funniest part about the touchdown play at the end of the game. Carlos Dunlap put amazing pressure on Baker Mayfield. He just delivered a great uh, he delivered a great ball. And we'll talk about Dunlap, I'm sure, everybody. But they just don't have any pass rushes. So everybody that's saying Penny is the pick, like the, the offensive lineman, if you guys don't watch college football like I don't, you got to get top five. That means you got to lose and you got to only win two, three games this year. I don't see that happening for this team. I really don't. But say it does, then, yeah, you might be looking at off cycle. But I think the Bengals are somewhere around 9-10, drafting 8-9-10, something like that. They got to go get a pass rusher, and they got to go get multiple pass rushers.
1: Yeah, so shout out to Justin uh, Lassac. I hope I said that, that right, bro. Appreciate you for the super chat for 199. Uh For me, I... I get what you're saying with the pass rush. I didn't expect them to have that much of a pass rush in the last two games because you went against two of the top offensive lines in the league. When you talk about the coats and you talk about the Browns, nobody really sacks them like that. Like they're you talking about top 10 offensive lines by DVOA in the league. So I didn't really expect that. I did expect Carl Lawson to do something against them. Uh, But given that they have, because you talk about the coats, like they have all, First, second, and third rounders on that offensive line. Browns, obviously, they retooled. It was frustrating, though. Like I did see Carl Lawson. Like someone said in the comments, get to him. Uh, but I think that that's also a product of them not having their best edge rushers on the field. Like when you have a Geno Atkins and you choose to sit him for Xavier Williams, who literally got cut last week, it's like you can't really get as much pressure there. And I think, like you so said, talk about and I think Gino. a lot of people, I think a lot of people talked about. Why not send the blitz? The Ravens didn't have an amazing pass rush, but like before they went and traded for Ngakwe, they would send blitzes and they would get pressure that way. Um, and I think that 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 also comes down to like the scheme and, and certain coverages that Lou has called have just been suspect this season. Like there's just no I, I just don't understand. I think Willie Anderson said this on our podcast when we interviewed him. And he talked about them switching to the 3-4. And he warned us about this. He was like, if you're switching schemes, they're not going to be able to have that many sacks like that. And I think he had said that a long time ago. And he had kept pressing that issue. And I I think some of us tried to, like, push that to the side. But he was like, if they do a transition on their defense, they're not going to get many sacks. So I do think we do need an edge rusher. You definitely need to lock up Carl Lawson, especially with Carlos on his way out of town. If Geno Atkins has lost a step, like, that's a rare thing to have. Like, most defensive tackles don't really rush the passer like that. You talk about the Geno Atkins and the and the Aaron Donalds of the world. Those are, are somewhat rare.
0: You you hinted at Geno Atkins being, like, not getting snaps. Do you think that's a product of Lou Anarumu? Snaps. <laughs> do you think that's a product of Lou Anarumu just saying, like, we only want you for pass rushing downs? Or do you really believe that Geno Atkins has a shoulder injury and maybe he should just go get surgery?
1: I mean, to me, a Geno Atkins really had, if it was just about the shoulder injury, why activate him now? Like, why not put him on IR in a season where you have three spots right now? If it is the shoulder, then do that. Uh, But it makes no sense to play Geno Atkins 12 snaps. Like, you might as well have him on IR at that point. If he's playing 12 snaps in two games, what's the point of even having him in there? What's the point of activating him due to the season? And we just saw Mike Daniels, who had an injury, go on the IR, like before Gino or whatever and come back. And it's like, if that was the case, why aren't you doing it? So we'll have to see, like, I'm not going to speculate too <laughs> I much. I exactly. know that, I know that he's, it's been said that he's been frustrated with his role right now. So I don't know well, if that's- But well, who
0: said it though? See,
1: this, this I mean, is the yeah. problem. Yeah. I mean, I this, know that it's a fact this, that this, he's is the like, problem, he's though. frustrated.
0: This is the problem when, when so many times there are a lot of people in here and I'm with the people too. Dunlap should just be quiet and stay off social media, right? But if you don't have any insight and the team isn't being transparent and they, and there's nobody messaging it out, there's no agent, so now we're just like, you know, like, that's the that's the part that I don't like is that I want to know what's going on with Gino. Is it just a shoulder or do they really think that Lou and Arumu – like, I, I really – I think it's an right. injury. But, see, that's the part where that where people say, well, mm. athlete, athletes <laughs> should just shut up, right? Athletes should just right. be quiet, right? But what happens when they're quiet? then we have this bit of doubt. We don't know what's up with Geno. It could very well be a shoulder. They could be using him as a depth piece just the same way that they should be using Marcus Hunt and say, you know what, having a little bit of Geno is better than no Geno. So let's just get him for like 12 on all of our third down um, pass rushing situations because with his shoulder, we don't believe Mm -hmm. in him stopping the run. To me, that seems super logical.
1: I mean, I think for me, I'm I'm pretty confident in what they're saying about him being upset is true, especially Who with Tyler that? Dragon, especially with Tyler Dragon saying that he's talked to the, probably the same sources that have said the same thing. So before I even put it out there, which I was told not to put it out there, but I was told to pay attention this week, I heard that I was that we were going to hear something about Carlos and about Gino. That was the first time I had heard. I didn't know anything about Gino. He said Gino was not happy with his role with not being able to play as much. And so I didn't hear anything. And so I was told not to say anything. Tyler Dragon, I guess, came out with an article saying that Gino, sources close to Gino, say that he's frustrated, saying the same thing that someone told me. So I feel like there has to be some kind of validity to that. And to me, it just doesn't make sense. If he's hurt, why activate him? Why have them, why have him come I just,
0: back? I just and do told all you, what, I just told you, this is the, the way that I would look at it. The same way you are looking at Xavier Williams or something right that, right? If I'm defensive coordinator, I say, okay, Gino, you're not going to get the surgery. I've had torn ro- rotator cup. Mm-hmm. Um, Gino, me playing you on every single third down, that might equal 12 to 15, 20 snaps. To me, that's better than anything. You're not able to take on the thing, and we don't want to risk you hurting your shoulder anymore. So, yeah, Xavier right. Williams and Marcus Hunt might get more snaps than you, but at least we get to put you out on the field. You don't want to have a surgery? Cool. That's all I can really do for you right now. But we don't know that because he's not saying it. And that's what happens but he's when— he's not going to
1: talk. He's not really a talker like that. But that's that, what when happens when you core. don't talk.
0: When you don't talk, if, if Carlos Dunlap comes out and tells you, and I'm not saying that Carlos Dunlap should go to social media for any of this stuff, but it's mm-hmm. very apparent that he was told something, he doesn't agree with the plan, he doesn't like the fact that he gone in there and he, he's letting you know he's just straight up being benched, right? There's no mm-hmm. speculation. We know what it is. With Gino, this is what happens. If if I don't hear from the, from the player's mouth, what is the Marvin Lewis thing? I see better than I hear or whatever. If I don't, right. if I don't see... Gino saying whatever pointing to depth charts or whatever. I'm just gonna assume and I gotta give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I got I don't think that they will show Gino Ackers just the fuck yeah. around.
1: I, I think the, the thing is though, people took Gino being upset with bunching him with Dunlap, lap thinking that he wants to leave or something like that. That was never the case. He was just upset he wasn't playing. Oh, shout out to Raymond Willis. Appreciate the super chat of 299. Uh, but yeah, I think they have to be transparent, but I've heard Again, they don't want any of this stuff that we're talking about right now to be outside of the locker room. So there's also right. been been some caution with that. But we just need to figure out what's going there, going on there. Obviously, like you said, if it almost sucks, right in high side 2020. But just think about if they would have actually have signed uh the edge rusher, his name escapes me right now that went to the Bucks, uh, Shaq Barrett. If they would have actually signed Shaq Barrett last year, right? Uh, hopefully they'll get Sam Hubbard back. But it's, yeah, I don't know. We'll have is to see he, what and happens.
0: I, and, I, and I'm not the biggest Sam Hubbard guy, though. I, I believe in his motor, but he's right. not,
1: like, you I know, don't like, think he's a starter. I think he's, like, a change of pace guy that can right. come in and, and do kind of, like, what Wallace Gilbert did, get you, like, six to eight sacks. Uh, he's a, he was a rotational guy. He's not really a starter. So, but you, you seem like
0: me talking to you right now, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, like, this is one thing that I said before the year. I said the Bengals might not win a lot of games, but they're going to be very fun to watch, right? That was one thing. I like last year, it was by the time we got to week seven, week eight, it was unbearable. I would do live streams. And I mean, like, just to recap, shout out to the Harry Nuts gang. I know y'all in here, but just to recap, like, I mean, I had a big following, a big bunch of crowd, a big bunch of people coming in there today, like 600, 700 people. Last year, it'd be like a hundred something people in the live stream because it was so boring to watch three and out, three and out, three and out. Right. I can't say this. It was fun. Like it was fun for me watching. And a lot of people, Um, I think at the end of the game, I like to take a lot of, I read out a lot of notes on what happened good and what's bad. I can definitively say this, whether you believe in Lou Anna rumor or Zach Taylor or not last week and this week and the Eagles game and the Chargers game, all if if they had one miles garrett that's all the browns really took to sway that little bit of the pendulum on this room for error the Bengals just have no room for error so while everybody's searching for answers and it's easy when you lose if we would have won the game i don't think everybody would be looking at Darius phillips so bad you might focus more on the interception he had and say oh yeah he got mossed on a couple plays whatever he was in position but because he lost they're like ah Darius Phillips, he's a bum. Get him out of there. You know, like, I don't think he was out of position. I warned It, before it, the it wasn't like he got beat with a double move or anything like before that. The season. But I'm going to tell you the number one <laughs> thing that happens that with aid Darius Phillips on all of those things is that Baker Mayfield for that 20 for 20 stretch is throwing off the cleanest platform I've ever seen. And I don't give a shit who the coordinator is, who you got out there that's call- calling up fire on defense. There is no pass rush whatsoever, and he's coming with he's coming with he's coming with nothing. Anybody thrown from a clean pocket, just like we seen Joe Burrow versus the Ravens. Ravens, he was he had pressure of the middle, he had pressure blisses, all that. They were getting home with their front. You know what I'm saying? But in this game, there was none of that. So Baker Mayfield has time to be very accurate. So Darius Phillips' room for error is a lot smaller. I think if they had a pass rusher that was in the lead. Uh, person, an elite right tackle, those two things you know, and Jonah Williamstone on the left-hand side, those mm-hmm. two things alone would have us at two or three wins. Just that. Just off of what I've seen. It's not like Darius Phillips was out of position. It's not like Von Bell was out of position. It mm-hmm. was a great throw. It was a great catch all of, and all those, Najoku catch was amazing. The Landry throw was amazing. Like, sometimes you gotta look at some of these plays and say, yeah, I love the fact that um you know they were in position the matchups baker mayfield tipped your hat off to him he found the the appropriate matchup in all of those different instances he found a bigger guy in bryant that was lined up on von bill that's just the way it's going to go sometimes and that was a good ass <laughs> throw and that's just what it is and they got to figure out ways to manufacture pressure, but they don't have room for error in the secondary if you have no William Jackson. So you come blitzing with all these people, then you got guys like Sims that have no business being out there, and they picked on Sims for a whole quarter. Like, it's just – it's a talent thing. Is Baker Mayfield getting into a great rhythm and having plenty of time. That's what – I mean, like, the last – now, now the last drive. Let's talk about the last drive. In the coverage. If you're trying to get them to just play a field goal, especially after it was at the 42nd mark, they are in a single high coverage where they're disguising it as a single high and then they go into a zero or something like that. Because Jesse Bates, as soon as the ball gets snapped, just bails to like the underneath route. And I don't know why. But I don't know, is Lou calling that? Or do you think that Jesse Bates is just like trying to to make like a crazy play?
1: I think it's Lou. I don't think it's just... To me, I don't think it's just simply that the pass rush is the whole thing because Lou calls these zones, he calls these coverages and stuff like that. And like Baker Mayfield is not has not been good this year, like no matter when he's had time to throw or not, it's just when he and Phillip Rivers when they played us, it's just (laughs) like they had a field day. Like I'd be on the AFC North Top, like Browns. Browns uh, fans, don't let them fool you now. Browns fans were talking about benching Baker Mayfield last week for Case Keenum. They've been talking about that since like week two. And the same thing for the Colts fans. Like when I interviewed the Kevin Bowen thing, he was like, I listened to his podcast before I brought him on. Colts fans was like bench Phillip Rivers, put in Jacoby Rousset. But when these teams play us, it's just like they have a field day. So I think it's, I think it's several things just because when we watch <laughs> – some of the film, and you see certain things like he does. I think someone talked about Carlos Dunlap dropping back into coverage. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, to expect Carlos Dunlap to try to cover someone like Naeem Hines, who's way faster than him, like, he's going to beat him to that, like, every single play. So, like, when you look back at some of the certain things and certain some of the certain plays that Lou puts them in, it's not all bad. But there's definitely like some questionable things that he's done in terms of that area. And it's also, like you said, a bad pass rush. We don't have an elite pass rush. And then it's him not really blitzing. So you just really have a quarterback that essentially has all time to throw. But this was just this was just bad. Like they made Baker look like he was Pat Mahomes or something out there. And. It Damn. just ask the Browns yeah, guy. Just ask the Browns guy,
0: has he ever seen anything? Like ask him, ask the Brown guy in, in any of the Mayfield games. Y'all could mm-hmm. go back on the game. Did he ever have a pocket like that? Like where he didn't get mm-hmm. how many how many times was he even pressured today? Like in
1: Lewis blitzing, he got pressured a couple times. He got pressured a couple times. From Lawson got a couple
0: hits on him. But Mackenzie Alexander, he was sending on a blitz. They sent Logan Wilson Mm -hmm. on the blitz. They sent ADG on a blitz. I seen Mm -hmm.
1: that. Right.
0: Like they just they don't have they can't manufacture any pressure up front. And on and the crazy thing about it is I I posted on my story. Go look at the last one. Carlos Dunlap almost makes a sack on Baker, but nobody really looks at that because the, the throw is so good and it gets out, but they just see, don't for have any me, pressure.
1: See, for me, that has to happen against, it's just like Jacksonville, right? Like, remember when we were like, oh, our line looks amazing against Jacksonville because they suck at rushing the passer. Like, Jacksonville right. is very bad at rushing the passer, too. So, to me, it has to, like, I had right, to see Browns this happen good, against a line that's not elite. Like, the Browns and the coach, you're talking about top lines in the NFL. You're not right. talking about Like now, if this happens against a bad line and we don't get any pressure, then I'm going to really be like, wow, this is this is kind of crazy. But it's been bad all season, honestly. And that's why, to me, it really didn't make sense to bench Carlos. But with all the drama going on, you had to. But I just don't understand. Like one thing I said earlier, and I don't mean to, to keep going on this or anything. One thing I said earlier is why aren't you playing Khalid Kareem? Like why is. Like to me, Khalil Kareem has shown consistently that he can get rushes and pressures and stuff like that. And that's not just because he's been on the show, it's just when I'm going back and watching, it's like Kareem is really like moving out there, so I don't I don't get why they don't play him. Um, uh, but moving on, we got a couple other things. He to was playing though. Shout out to Delta Kilo for the 499 super chat. Uh, yeah, he's not starting, he's not getting the majority of the starter snaps. I don't care what you say. We should not have been in cover one on the last touchdown. I I have to agree with that one. Um, and that's what also- I was
0: getting at on that on that last one. If you're playing for them just to minimize, just to make it minimal, they're going to kick a field goal even on the last 16 seconds. They're, like Lou still got the gas pedal. Like a lot of people say, why is it? Why are people in prevent? And then the people at home will be like, well, get get up on them, press up on it. They were pressing. At the line of scrimmage, at the end of the game, and all you really at that point you had already known they were going to come out and kick a comfortable field goal. So the are not in like a cover three, at least or something like that, at, at that point just to keep the, the 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 wide receivers in front of them. I have no idea. To me, that's the most questionable call. like the end of the game. Why would you not keep the wide receivers in front of you and just go man? And then Jesse Bates on the last two plays. He just bails out of whatever. It's like they were trying to show a single high-safety look, and he just bails right out of it as soon as the ball snap. So it gives Baker Mayfield the easiest read. When you go watch film and you go look at the Browns, game, he's not going to have a game that gave him that, that comfortable. I don't care how good. The Browns had the guard missing. They had another dude that went out for a second or whatever. Their line could be the greatest line on, on earth. That was the most comfortable pockets I've seen all year. Them 22-something straight, he ain't had not one person lay a
1: finger on him. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you spend money and free agency on the offensive line, which, which they did. He, uh, Quincy, my guy, that's the Browns guy, just said that Baker has the highest pocket time in the NFL at 2.8. That's why I said this Browns offensive line is good. They not bad. Um. Khalid yeah, he's Kareem
0: a- had eighteen snaps. To, I mean, eighteen snaps today. Geno Atkins had twelve sacks. Carlos Dunlap has uh, twelve as well. Twelve as well. They just, they just used them on third down situations only.
1: All right. So the other thing that we want to talk about before we get out of here, Quentin Spain is on his way to make a visit in the Natty. Uh, we all talked about him, the Bills guard. There's some other guys that are on the potential trade block as well that the Bengals could be interested in, uh, Leonard Floyd and Quentin Williams. Uh, obviously I feel like we need to take Spain. But was there anything else that you wanted to add to that before we get out of here? Nothing I had to add. They just need to go get it. If they
0: the 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 tough part that they're going to be at is that if you're thinking about the future and you're unsure if you're going to even have this coaching staff next year, it'd be mm-hmm. hard for me as a front office to say, "Let's go get this guy and let's go get this guy." Also couple that with the fact that you're now 1-5 and 1 it's not really like a major play to go get, like, players if you're not on the brink of playoffs or any type of contention. You want to have all your money. So a lot of people at home are like, yeah, go get this guy, go get this guy. I'm all with Spain because you got to protect the franchise, and I think that's going to happen. In fact, I was told that a verbal was already given. Uh, So so that's, that's good money. I think Spain is cool. But from the defensive standpoint, as much as I'm crying about the pass rush or the lack thereof, It'd be hard for me to say, let's go allocate funds to this, and we don't even know if this coaching staff is even going to be there next year. That would be the dilemma.
1: No, nah, that's, that's facts. That's facts. But what, you said what you, that you also wanted to – What would you give up for Quentin? What would you give up for Quentin Williams? For Quentin Williams? I think they said that it's a second-round pick. I would hmm. probably give it – I don't think the Bengals would do it. I think – I mean, I you're talking heard. about a guy that was a, a top-three pick. So, like, to me, giving a second-rounder away – if I'm getting Quentin Williams, I just think about like just think about the Steelers, right? Think about the Steelers, and my man Quincy is on here on AFC North Talk. We gave them hell about how they gave up that first round pick for Mika, right? But Mika was an all pro safety last year. Like, if we were to give up a second rounder for Quentin Williams and let's just say he turns the corner and has a great season, I wouldn't be mad with that. And he's still young, like, I don't feel like you're gonna be able to for sure count on Duke Tobin to land a Quentin Williams in the second round. Me, personally, that's just my opinion. I'm not speaking for anybody else. I'm not speaking for Cincy Jungle, Zim, or anything. That's just my opinion. I wouldn't trust him to be able to land a player better than Quentin Williams in the second round.
0: I I feel the same way. Somebody asked me about Njoku. Now, I know that the Browns probably wouldn't trade for Njoku, especially because it's in the division. But Njoku's been begging for a trade all year. Uh, But they wouldn't trade in the division. And then also coupled with the fact that Austin Hooper is now hurt and we saw Njoku have a big play. But coming into that game, I was thinking, like, that would be the perfect trade partner for, like, Njoku because one thing that Joe Burrow does need, and we saw the utilization of sample today, if that was a dynamic tight end, those plays would be big plays. Like, he just doesn't have the speed to be elite. And he needs a good tight end that he, he can throw. Some, he needs, he, he needs a good tight end. I've been thinking about that the whole time. Throw, he needs a tight end he could throw some seam passes to a lot because the seams are, are wide open a lot of these times when they're going to these stack formations.
1: He um, needs a Harrison Bryant on his team. <laughs> they made Harrison Bryant look like Gronk out this motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I know, Quincy, I know you in here. You've been telling me about Harrison Bryant all season. So I knew when he took off, I was, I was upset. Man, like, life is about
0: opportunity. Life is about timing. Uh Bryant was in the right place on, the, on, the, on, the, on a smaller person, and it just was right. a good matchup. And credit and kudos to Baker Mayfield for picking, you know, being able pre-snap to say, look, this is where we're going. They did that right. for a whole quarter against Sims. I was telling right. people before this game, teams don't throw at William Jackson. You probably only see William Jackson probably involved in two or three passes a game. As Bengals fans were spoiled by that. When they mm-hmm. come back on the opposite end of this thing, this is the first time I think uh, Joe Burrow learned this. Like, stop testing Denzel Ward. Like, he is who, you know what I'm saying, he's legit. Like, as much right. as I can I could be like, man, somebody a bum or whatever during the game – Trust and believe I got all the respect in the world for Miles Garrett. I got all the respect in the world for Denzel Ward. Ward. I still believe Baker Mayfield is a bum. I feel like Baker Mayfield was given (laughs) like every single pass that anybody like that is a quarterback's dream. What he was given today. And that is that's that you could not take me off of that because next week, Mm -hmm. whoever the hell they play, he won't look like that. And he looks like that because we don't have a pass rush. But we we had a we had a rough spot for the team because it's like mm-hmm. they should go make some of these moves, but I just don't think that they can. When you got so much unsureness going on around with this coaching staff, and then right. you got unsureness with Carlos Dunlap, who got into it with the coaching staff at the end of the game uh, today. If you haven't been monitoring the Carlos Dunlap saga, he's been talking about how he uh, been demoted. He's unhappy with his. Uh, his role with the team, I thought they should have made him inactive. Honestly, because it's just...
1: and I heard it- some. I heard some other crazy things. I don't know if I should. If I should, uh, you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna go ahead and share it, bro. So from what I heard, uh, since this Dunlap saga is pretty much over, from what I heard, it actually did start with Carlos. Now I just found this part of it out. Apparently, in the Browns game, he was upset that he wasn't playing that much. They asked him to go back in at the end of the Browns game. And he didn't go back in. So that's where it started. Then the exchange happened with Lou and Arumu in the locker room. And after that, it's just been ugly since then. Like from a player's perspective, from a coach's perspective, it's just been them trying to teach each other a lesson. And obviously, it spiraled off into everything that is that has gone on now. Um, so I think, honestly, it was weird that he was active today, especially based on what he posted earlier. I think that... The Bengals, just as an organization, they have to handle this. Whether it's that you cut him, whether it's that you trade him, just go ahead and do it. Like, honestly, let's just end this chapter because me and Zim, Zim, Zim didn't even want to talk about Carlos Dunlap. I haven't even wanted to really talk about Carlos Dunlap. Let's just end this whole drama, whole thing. Let's just go ahead and nip it in the butt so we don't even have to talk about this stuff. The anymore. player,
0: the players now are against it. AJ Green talked about, you know, like he broke it up on the sideline just because as a captain, he just wanted to defuse the situation. Gio seemed like he, he made a comment. You guys can read the, the quote on. I don't want to misquote anybody. But Gio has some words about the Dunlap situation. And Tyler Boyd, if you go look on Instagram, even my story, Pretty much said that that was some sucker shit and he doesn't like it because as long as you're on a team, all that negativity and stuff like that is <laughs> that doesn't help the team win. If you're going to voice something personally, like you don't like with the team or whatever, I, I kind of get it for a certain extent because he's earned the right to speak his mind because he's 11 years in on the team. And just to walk in and see your name on the board without them having a conversation with you, that's super disrespectful. So you should be able to speak on it, but when you start getting other people involved or you're causing a ruckus on the sideline and we're in the middle of a game, like that's that's there's no room for that type of stuff. And Carlos needs Carlos knows better than that. I've talked to some people in his uh, family that were actually at the game today afterwards, and I just told them, you know, make sure like you stay positive and stuff like that. And I'm I even talked to Carlos two days ago actually, so. Yeah, I, I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to say too much, but I will say this though. Like, he knows better than that, and there's no room on his team for that. And I just hope that. I, I know that years from now, I don't think very few people will probably remember it. It's so hot and so fresh right now that I think everybody's just like, oh, that Carlos, you got to get that. Like, But I don't think it diminishes what he's done for this organization. Like, He's damn near the sack leader for the fucking sack franchise. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? like, it, it's, it's hard to just poo-poo him off like he's just some regular degular. Like, he has earned the right to say something, but he hasn't earned, earned the right to cause, uh, to affect others.
1: Right. Yeah. I I don't know what it is. I hope it's not a stalemate with Mike Brown or anything like that. Like I said, I don't know anything about that side of the things in terms of Mike Brown and stuff like that. But they just need to nip this in the bud, bro. Like it's, it's obvious that the two sides are going in two different directions and we just need to nip it in the bud. But with that said, we're going to come to a close. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate all the comments, all the super chats and everything. We're going to do the next one on Zim's uh, YouTube channel, so be sure to subscribe to his YouTube channel as well, at Zim Hude on YouTube. Follow him on Twitter, at Zim Hude. Follow him on Instagram, at Zim underscore Follow me on New Stripe City. If you're just watching this and you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Uh, We do all kinds of Bengals content and stuff like that here. And then also follow me on Twitter, at New Stripe City. And we're going to go ahead and leave you guys with a hootay. Hootay! Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else?
0: My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. (laughs) Never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.